chapter twenty two of a deal with the devil this librivox recording is in the public domain read by angelique g campbell february two thousand nineteen a deal with the devil by eden philpotts the dwindling of grandpapa but there was no truth in the vision i awoke unrested rose and of course found grandpapa under the new scheme as usual he had arranged to hide somewhere in a backwater and only paddle out when the race for the diamond skulls was beginning i tried hard to dissuade him from making the attempt i pointed out that a rest was sure to follow the struggle and that once taken there would be sufficient legal complications all over the country to last him much more than the remainder of his life i said in a year's time you will be ten in two years you will be nothing let us hide this tragedy if we can publicity now means that the concluding catastrophes of your life will be watched by the whole of england perhaps by the entire civilized world surely that would add another sting to extinction let me implore of you dear one to give up this aquatic enterprise we will fly together i have done up the accounts this morning and find we have exactly nine hundred and ninety-eight pounds left this is ample provision for your approaching childhood come and dwindle by the sea at margate or somewhere or let us go abroad if that idea gives you pleasure not me he said i shall flicker out in the old country and as to not rowing that's absurd this race is my last flutter in six months i shall be a boy of fifteen i must make my final adult appearance to-day it's jolly lucky there's only one other entry besides myself as i certainly shall have no chance of appearing more than once however this morning i mean to row the course and then keep on the river and pull quietly into the backwater and lie low till dark meanwhile you can go to margate if you like and find new diggings and i'll join you to-morrow with this arrangement i had to be content i took a train to london and managed to escape comfortably in it with my box i journeyed to margate took three fair rooms overlooking the sea and waited with deepest anxiety for grandfather's arrival on the following morning i purchased the sportsman to find that the dear old man had managed to elude the detectives and win the diamond skulls i felt that this was probably the last piece of real joy he would ever have but the report in the sportsman quickly drenched my passing happiness satisfaction indeed was turned into black despair when i read what my grandfather had done on the completion of the boat race elisha spratt said the sportsman the mysterious young oarsman who has suddenly burst into fame won the diamonds with ridiculous ease and simply played with his better-known opponent the sensation of the race however was reserved for the finish hartley had spread past the winning post when a boat full of police constables pulled quickly out from the crowd of craft that thronged the course and made towards him spratt it seems has been wanted for some time being mysteriously connected with what is known as the dolphin mystery 
and the preservers of law and order believed that by taking him in midstream immediately after the race they would ensure an easy capture their judgment however proved faulty spratt who was nearly as fresh as when he began to row made a vigorous defence and when he ultimately succeeded in capsizing the boatload of crown officials and escaping the enthusiasm of the sightseers knew no bounds finally he disappeared upstream and has not since been heard of he is certainly a magnificent sculler but we fear his next appearance in public will not be in a wager boat the constables were all rescued though one of them a well-known detective is said to lie still insensible and little hopes are entertained of his recovery that was the end of it then murder my grandfather had taken a life now if they caught him they would doubtless endeavour to hang him even the new scheme could hardly continue if they succeeded in hanging grandfather at least so it struck me but first they had to catch him luckily he was just at a difficult age to catch we had arranged i should wait for him at the station and presently he came down from town travelling third class in the same compartment with part of a sunday school treat he had disguised himself and was wearing a false nose and little imitation whiskers hooked over his ears he saw me and followed at a distance as i walked from the station but he did not join me until i had reached the doorstep of our lodgings then he approached and entered he was very excited and full of a new idea he had already quite forgotten the race on the preceding day and talked of nothing save the nearly drowned detective you see if he pops off they'd hang me he explained eagerly grandfather i implore you not to talk so i sobbed quite giving way but i want em to nothing better could happen the next two years won't be much of a catch from my point of view and if i'm executed of course the new scheme must be upset i shall have to go somewhere then i shan't become extinct anyway his hopes in this direction were doomed to disappointment however the detective recovered and we were unmolested we had in fact thrown the scotland yard people completely off the trail but grandfather still longed to be hanged he even discussed the feasibility of a capital crime at margate and as it was all one to him in the matter of a victim he generously offered to put anybody i liked out of the way even bought a revolver to be executed it is necessary to take a life he explained the question is whose life if you've got an enemy martha now's your time to name him or her if you've no fancy then i shall pip a prominent member of the government but two months passed by and my grandfather's horrid ambition gradually faded when he was eighteen and after we left margate for ramsgate which step was taken about this period he acquired a passing passion for sea-fishing bought a rod and line and angled uneventfully for days together off the pierhead or out of an open boat from ramsgate we proceeded to deal then lurked a week or two at dover and continued our tour of the south coast watering-places 
secreting our sorrows in turn at folkestone hastings st leonard's on sea eastbourne brighton and bognor i thought we might winter in the isle of wight but grandfather was for cornwall and conger fishing so we pushed onward to fowey and arrived there shortly after christmas when my grandparent was about fifteen his wardrobe became a greater difficulty daily the poor old sufferer shrank in a heart-breaking way i had always to be taking in and turning up and reducing his different articles of apparel he was now mercifully allowed to lose intelligence very rapidly he lived more and more in the passing hour and began to develop simple boyish ambitions and hopes and complaints as he gradually fell completely under my control a certain peace of mind to which i had long been a stranger returned the position was harrowing enough heaven knows but whereas throughout grandfather's career under the new scheme he had played his own game so to speak and never paid much attention to the faithful woman always at his elbow now the position was rapidly changing he had to look to me and rely upon me more and more indeed he did so as a matter of course i held the purse and took good care to keep it the dear old man never wanted for anything but i had to think of my own future when he was gone there would only be a few hundred pounds between me and starvation however i denied him nothing in reason allowed him gradually decreasing pocket money and as he grew younger exercised entire authority to this he submitted humbly enough now he was a bad boy as boys go a sly calculating cruel boy but a circumstance happened soon after we left fowey which practically made grandfather helpless and placed him under my complete control it was this with dwindling intellect his memory also waned and ultimately broke down altogether he forgot the past he forgot his own extraordinary situation and destination and quite forgot our relationship and soon simply believed that things were as they seemed one day he electrified me by talking with bright boyish confidence of growing up and marrying a bonny bride and becoming a smuggler growing up poor little darling he was growing down at the rate of a year every six weeks but now the old man's mental troubles were practically at an end and i thanked heaven for it literally he was twice a child he gave up cigarettes and took to chocolate and stupid little toys at rare intervals inspired by the friends he picked up in our wanderings he showed flashes of ambition and pestered me to know when i was going to send him to school like other boys he grumbled and said he believed he was backward i denied it and temporized i told him he was more than clever of course to send him to school would have been frank and senseless waste of money besides the new scheme must have been discovered in a fortnight he travelled half price now for he was not more than ten years old when i took him to dawlish before we had been at that small but delightful seaside resort six weeks grandfather openly bought a little iron spade and bucket thereby proving that childhood had set in i had him well in hand in devonshire 
and i may state that my own peace of mind was comparatively such that i had almost cured myself of a weakness i have not hidden here a weakness brought on by the terrors of the past and dear grandfather's own favourite beverage subject to my sanction was sherbert now indeed taking one thing with another that last summer in the west of england with my grandparent proved the happiest time i spent from the beginning of the new scheme to its close he was quite happy too he made sandcastles and tormented the shrimps which he caught from time to time and otherwise conducted himself like a simple healthy little lad of eight years old End chapter twenty two